in our family, we've got these different chores and different responsibilities in the home. And my one responsibility is to keep an eye on the electricity. No, that's, that's my job. You know, I put the, we put the electricity in. But, and then my wife, liked, she doesn't like to play this, this uh, ec- economical game that I do. It's one way, way I like to run that meter down very low before I top it up. I'm like, let's see how long I can. Hey, it's 20 units. That's a good three days. Guys, come, keep the lights off. We can do this. You know? but she's like, no, I'm telling you, it'll go for an inconvenient time. I'm like, no, feet, trust me, it's fine. It's okay, it's okay. And I like to do that game and work it out. Oh, we've got a day and a half. It's fine. It's all right. If we don't turn on the TV and we just turn these things off, if we stay in the dark, we're fine. You know, it's awesome. Just listen, we can make it there. But then uh, there were a few weeks ago, got a phone call. Uh, and maybe, I don't want to overplay it, but maybe a little bit irritated. Just to be honest, this thing they're going, I've got home. The electricity is dark, and with the two kids, and if you didn't pay for electricity, it's gone. It's off. I'm like, oh, Flip Phillips, what have you done, man? Philip, I, oh, no, what am I saying? Like, Sorry, Fee, I'll sort out some. On the app, I'm trying to work it out, buying electricity. I'm like, oh, I can't get signal. I'm like, I can't get signal. Why can I? I can't get signal. It's load shedding. So it was such joy that I got to phone my wife and say, I didn't get it wrong, love. ESCOM have turned this off. It wasn't me. And Fee was in the dark, scrambling there and shouting, husband! It's like, no, it's Cyril, not Gabe, Cyril! Don't blame me. But I was kind of chuffed about that. But, but it got me thinking that actually I think that a lot of us live our lives like that. We live in this, this world, in this new, uh, this new economic reality where we're all scrambling in the dark, all making our plans and navigating our way around a schedule and trying to save things, to download shows, make sure we're at the right moments and right places, charge lights, etc., etc. But I don't know about you, in my road, we've got this, the, this one home that when all the lights go off, all of a sudden we are scrambling for candles, lights, etc., etc., and suddenly they just hear, and the generator kicks in. And we, we, we're not just only cursing Cyril, we're cursing that home as well. They bless them in Jesus' name. So unfair, all their lights blazing. But I just think the reality for me, just this evening, as Marcus reminds us of the why, I just want to deposit just the how, just one how in our hearts, because I want to remind us of the secret to the power of a church. And if you wanted to take out the word church and say the secret to the power of your life, the secret to the power for your marriage, the secret to the power for your relationship, the secret to the power of your business, the secret to the power of your walk with God, I want to tell you, I think we have to understand we need a different source. And then it reminded me as, a, as the whole Bible starts in Genesis chapter 3 with sin entering the world, Adam and Eve messing up and turning away from the power source himself and saying we're going to try and make it on our own and try and manufacture our future by our own hands and failing and realizing very quickly that load shedding, there's no more power all of a sudden. And we're just naked and embarrassed and ashamed and don't know where we're going, what's going on and trying to reconcile this reality. But even in the moment of the greatest defeat, God steps in and he prophesies in Genesis chapter 3. He says, Satan, you think you've won this one. Let me tell you, the battle's just beginning. And a seed will come from her womb, the one that you deceived, the one where you thought you had you have won the victory. A seed will come one day. It will come, you've bruised his heel, but he'll crush your head. Puts in motion the story, the great story of the gospel. And we find in page 3, you flip, flip over to Genesis chapter 4, the first brothers, Cain and Abel, Adam and Eve's children, and this incredible reality is their relationship with God, it culminates in this moment where Cain, who's a farmer, he works and toils the land, and Abel is a shepherd who looks after the sheep, uh, the flocks of, of, of pigs, he leaves those ones alone, but the flocks of sheep, that's the one, that's the correct terminology, just correcting there, uh, DHS education, yes, yeah, yeah. But, but what happened was, so they come to God in this relationship and this fallen world and try and navigate their way and finding this power source. And they come, they come to God and Cain comes with his, the veggies, the platter of veggies and saying, this is what I've got to give you, God. Just I want to give you the work of my hands, what I've toiled for. I want to give this to you. And Abel comes with a lamb. 
and he slaughters that and sacrifices that to God. And in this moment, we find that God looks at the veggies, he looks at the lamb, and he says to the veggie platter, the, 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 the labor of his toil, and he says, I'm not accepting this sacrifice, <clears throat> I'm accepting the lamb. And it's this crazy moment where for the first time in scripture, we realize that God is not a vegan. That is a joke. Put down your celery sticks and hummus. It's okay, people. Relax, relax, relax. But and more seriously, we realize that on the very get-go, God is linking human, humans' hearts that wants to go to our toil, our efforts to try and work this and get enough electricity into the power source. How are we going to manufacture our lives? He says, there's a different power source you need to know. It's not in your toil and your sweats. It's in the sacrifice of the lamb. It's in the blood. It's in the blood. It's always been from the very beginning. It's always been about the blood. And we have to remind our hearts this because I want my own fickle heart. Because when I look at this narrative, the name Cain actually means to produce or to acquire. Cain means the work of a sweat. Abel's name means nothing or breath. I love that. That Cain's name means toil. Abel's name means Saturday afternoon resting at home. Nothing and breath. That's what he brought to the table, to this incredible reality. But this is the reality because I think when I think of my story over the last two decades, I remember if I rewind to my teenage years, me uh, stuck in a young teenage boy, stuck in a pornography addiction that I did not know how to get out of. I did not know where the end would be. I did not know how to navigate these journeys. But I had this desire for freedom. I desire for a power source. I wanted to find freedom, but I didn't know how to get it. And I tried, I made promises, and every, I've told this story every Sunday. I'll start in song one going, God, I'm so sorry, I'm a wretch. Song two, I'm like, God, this week I'm gonna try harder. Song three, I'm like, Jesus, I'll stand with arms high and heart abandoned. It's you, all for you. Song four, I'm signing up to be a missionary to Kazakhstan. I'm like, let's go. And then on Tuesday, I'm down in the dumps and again, I failed again. And that cycle was week on a week on. And I realized, where is the power? I'm struggling to find the power source. I'm struggling around in the dark, trying to make my way, but going, where's the power for the reality that I see in the scriptures? And this is the reality that I want to remind us that the blood will always be enough. We go to this next story. In the book of Exodus, 430 years, the people of God in slavery, and they get God sends a deliverer who comes and proclaims the 10 plagues, God's power. The power comes. But that doesn't budge Pharaoh's heart. He says, no, I will not let them go. Moses comes and he declares again and again the words from God's mouth to Pharaoh. He says, let my people go, thus saith the Lord. And that doesn't budge Pharaoh's heart. The only thing that moved Pharaoh's heart to let the people go was when on the last day, it's sacrifice a lamb and take that blood and put it on your doors because they, the angel of death is gonna come over and you're gonna be, see the wonders of God and the people of God are gonna be let go. Reminding us again, page after page, the secret, the power source to the power of a church, the power of a life, power of a marriage, power of a business, power of your walk with God, it's in the blood. Always has been, always will be, it's in the blood. And this is the reality, when Jesus came, the incredible thing, Jesus was a miracle worker. And churches build ministries today seeking the signs and wonders, we want the miracles. And let me tell you, I want the miracles. But let me tell you, Jesus performed all the miracles, eyes opening, dead people being raised, this incredible things, coins out of fish's mouth. He's just walking on water like David Blaine. It's just going, wow, this is incredible. But let me tell you, for if every miracle that happened, if you ran to the temple and saw the curtain, that, the veil that separated God, between man, uh, God and man, every miracle did nothing to the, that veil. Wonderful miracles, but they did nothing. Let me tell you, Jesus was also an incredible teacher. Still, his sermons are quoted by Christians and non-Christians alike. The Sermon on the Mount is venerated as one of the greatest speeches of all time. He's a teacher of all teachers. 
And let me tell you, all his sermons, they were incredible, eloquent, parables. They were just so mystical and, and, and incredible, making the simple wise and people leaning in for decades and years and centuries and millennia after, going, trying to work out Jesus' words, still being preached. But let me tell you, after every teaching Jesus did, you run to the temple and saw the veil, it still was up, separating God and man. That veil only tore, not because of his miracles, not because of his teachings, but only when he died and his blood was shed. Because why? The secret to the power, the way to the Father, the secret to a powerful life is in the blood. It always has been, always will be. And I won't tell you, Billy Graham said this. He said, if I had it all to do again, I would only preach the blood and Jesus' finished work on the cross because that's where the power is. A man who preached across every continent the world has seen, preached sermon upon sermon, but he said, if I could do it again, I'd preach one thing. And this church, we preach one thing. The secret to life, the secret to power, is the blood of Jesus. I want to tell you in this reality, this, the, we have to beware this tendency to always go back to, to the way of Cain, as Jude will say, this tendency of going to our efforts, going to our toil, trying to make your way through. I want to tell you, life changes Century City PM. Our power is in the blood. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, one scripture on the screen, if that's right, John Dre. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says this. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, and I love that word, anyone. I love that word, anyone. It doesn't say if, if someone who's got it all figured out, or if somebody who's walked, really done a good life, or somebody who's now really attended church for a significant period. No, it says, if anyone. And let me tell you, there's a whole bunch of anyone's here. I'm an anyone. If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new has come. And let me tell you, I love that word new because that new could have been translated neos, which means the upgrade has come. The slightly better version, the Gabe 2.0, the, the Hyundai i20 over the Hyundai i10, same but different. The iPhone 11 over the iPhone 10, same but different. No, just a slightly better. The new and improved, but it doesn't say that. When it says the old is gone, the new has come, that word there is the word kairos. And that word kairos means brand spanking, never seen before, new. It means the appointed and promised has come. The appointed and promised. Quickly, we're going to land soon. Say this word. Say the appointed. The promised has come. I love this. So as we bring this whole thing together, I'm going somewhere. We find the end of Cain and Abel's story. Cain is dead. Cain kills Abel, kills his brother because of the frustration of his heart. They couldn't work this out. Kills Abel. And God comes, has a conversation with him, says, where's your brother? And he says, am I my brother's keeper? And he, is, he, doesn't, he buckles down, doubles down on his, on his murder of his brother. And he goes his own way and sets into motion generation after generation of wickedness. Six generations to be precise, all the way up to his great, 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 great grandson, Lamech is so vile and the world is so filled with violence and the Lamech says this he said if Cain's violence was seven times my revenge will be 70 times seven just saying this incredible statement of absolute violence saying I'm doubling down that actually stuff God are we going to make our way we'll work this out and then comes this profound verse in Genesis 4 verse 25 it says this Adam had sexual relations with his wife again and she gave birth to another son she named him Seth the third born of Adam and Eve and let me tell you the name Seth. Cain means to produce or acquire. Abel means nothing or breath. Seth means appointed or promised. The old is gone, the new has come. And what is so profound is if you read the next chapter, in Genesis chapter five, will be on the screen now, it says this. This is the written account of Adam's family line. When God created mankind, he made them in the likeness of God. He created them male and female and blessed them. And he named them mankind when they were created. When Adam had lived 130 years, he had a son in his own likeness, in his own image, and he named him Seth. I'm like, that's not true, Bible. 
You're, you're conveniently leaving out that, that Cain and Abel story. You're saying, they're literally basically rewriting Genesis 1 and saying, this is the line of humanity. Adam and Eve had a son named Seth. Like, you, you've just literally taken a page out. And, and this is an incredible thing. The reality is the gospel in this moment is rewriting Eve's failure. The gospel is rewriting Eve, Adam and Eve's mistake and mess up where they try to go to their own sources and saying, I'm gonna tell you that this is the promise. The old is gone, the new has come. The appointed and promises come. And this is what is so incredible. One more scripture, Luke chapter three, verse 23, it says this. Now Jesus himself was about 30 years old when he began his ministry. He was the son, so the sword of Joseph, the son of Heli, the son of Mephet, the son of Levi, the son of Melchi, the son of Janai, the son of Joseph, the son of Mathathias, the son of Amos. Should we just keep going? Why not? We've got nowhere else to go. The son of Nahum, the son of Esli, the son of Nagai, the son of Math, the son of Methathias, the son of C. Oh, yeah, we're going, going. Next one, next slide. Let's go to the next slide for time's sake. The son of Joshua, the son of Eliezer, the son of Joram, the son of Mathath, the son of Levi, the son of Simeon, the son of Judah, the son of Joseph, the son of John. Let's go to the next slide. One more. The son of Isaac, the son of Abram, the son of Terah, the son of Nahor, the son of Serug, the son of Ruh, the son of Peleg, the son of Eber, the son of Shelah. I feel like I'm rapping, people. Come on. The son of Eber, the son of Shelah, the son of Canaan, the son of Arphaxad, that's a cool name, Arphaxad, the son of Shem, the son of Noah, the son of Lamech, the son of Methuselah, the son of Enoch, the son of Jared, the son of Melal, the son of Kenan, the son of Enosh, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. Jesus' lineage, the promise that God said that there will come a seed from that woman who will crush the serpent's head. It's traced back to Seth not back to our toil, not to our ability trying to work this thing up, but actually going, the new and appointed has come, the promised and the appointed. It's always been in the blood, it's always in him. And I really believe that as we launch this evening, I believe what God is wanting to do for you and I in this moment, he's wanting to unplug us from our own sources of trying in our own power, trying to build a church in our own power, trying to be significant in our own power, using, we've used many words, but to no avail. I'll try, God, I'll be different this year. I'll do different this year. Uh, you've said many words. We've come for the prayer, for power. Let me tell you, all those things are helpful, but let me tell you, there's only one secret. It's in the blood. The old is gone, the new has come. And I believe God is saying tonight, he wants to set a people free so that he can tell the world about a God who sets the people free. Thank you so much for watching. If you'd like to take your next steps or find out what's happening in the life of the church, head over to our website or follow us on social media. Can't wait to see you soon.